Welcome to M Squared TechCast, a live internet radio show offering the latest news and interviews with the people driving business, technology, and politics in Michigan. Now, your hosts, Matt Rausch and Mike Brennan. Hey, it's Matt Rausch. And Mike Brennan. And you're listening to the M Squared TechCast on the Podcast Detroit Network. And now it's time for a little cybersecurity update from our friends Dan Lorman, who is calling in from the Lansing area, and Richard Steenen, who is here in studio. Richard, welcome. Well, thank you very much. Glad to be here. And welcome, Dan, too. Thank you for having me. It's great to be on again. All right. Well, I'm going to turn it over to you, uh, Richard, because you're going to talk to us about the biggest data breaches, biggest security concerns of 2015. So let's start with... uh, a look back, and then we'll uh, take a look forward. Okay, but first, we have to interrupt our regularly scheduled podcast of uh, 2016 breaches to talk about a newly uh, announced breach that is rather serious. Uh, Breaking news. Of concern. Breaking news. Uh, we just learned uh, a couple days ago that Juniper Networks – Juniper Networks is the number two uh, provider of routers and switches uh, in the United States. Probably number three worldwide if you account for Huawei, the Chinese uh, version. And they just announced that somehow somebody got into their code base and modified it to put mm. two different backdoors. One backdoor allows uh, remote access. If you've got the password, you can uh, log in remotely. And the other allows an attacker to intercept encrypted tunnels, so the VPN traffic that, that these things are used for all the time. So the VPN is not so P. Exactly. Okay. There you not so you. private. Uh, and this is extremely serious, right, that a, uh, a vendor of security products, uh, the NetScreen uh, uh, firewall in the screen OS that uh, runs that, uh, has been compromised. So this is obviously indi- any ideas how? Or? Well, it's indicative of uh, a nation state attack mm. uh, because it's uh, so sophisticated and goes so deep. Um, and as a matter of fact, it reminds us of several vulnerabilities backdoors in Cisco, uh, Juniper, and Huawei gear that were introduced by the NSA. So very similar uh, techniques and methodologies probably were used. Um, there are over twenty-seven thousand machines, according to a company, uh, Rapid Seven that are on the internet right now that are vulnerable to this. I could tell you the password. You'd have to look it up because it's a lot of gibberish. Uh, the password was made to look like it was a standard command. So if people were doing uh, uh, um, you know, logging of uh, password attempts, they'd say, oh, somebody just typed in a command there and didn't realize that, that was actually a password. That password is published and widely available. So hackers right now are testing this out. Uh, these routers and, and uh, uh, firewalls are on some of the most critical networks in the world. So it's a, of extremely high concern. Mm. Wow, that's a bad one. Yipes. Okay, so that's the latest of 2015. Let's uh, let's hit the other highlights of uh, big breaches in 2015 and kind of what we've learned from them. What sticks out in your mind, Dan? Yeah, so I just uh, – it's interesting. I just did a blog on this. and I, I, I kind of call it 2015 the year that data breaches became intimate. And I think everyone, when they <laughs> hear that title, they, they think about, you know, the Ashley Madison breach. But um, really it was not just – it was the OPM breach. The top five I had down is – you know, the Office of Personnel Management, which is the U.S. government, of course, one in 14 Americans had their uh, background information breached, and I was one of those, sadly. <laughs> we had a clearance with the government, a contractor. Um, that was a huge one um, that people are still, you know, getting their letters in the mail and, and recovering from. So the OPM breach, the Ashley Madison breach, which, of course, got a lot of headlines, um, 
you know, the, the whole issue of, uh, you know, who was in that database and then the names being posted and, and that whole thing. Number three, I had the VTech, uh, which is the Asian data breach, um, which, of course, is the toys. And that was really it, the, the, the intimate conversations between parents and the children, uh, children playing with each other, actually not just, the, you know, the, the data of... Um, but you know, literally the conversations were, were uh, made available. Uh, and then number four I had, which I kind of looped some things together, hospital and healthcare data breaches. There were a number of big ones that were announced. Um, some people did said just this whole year was the year of hospital and healthcare insurance data bre- uh, breaches. Um, there's a number of them that we could we could talk about. Excellus was one of the big ones. And then number five I had is the GPAC. You know, the cars being hacked. Um, so those are my top five, uh, Richard. And, and those are huge. You know, I'm looking at a site that uh, tries to track all of the uh, breaches, and they claim over 290 million leaked mm-hmm. records in 2015. It's essentially, you know, a record for every person in the United States over the age of 14, I would estimate. Um, though a lot of people have are, are participating in each of these breaches. So somebody could have been at the government and had their – uh, top secret uh, clearance information breach as well as their Ashley Madison records, which actually did happen several times. I read something over the weekend. I can't remember the source of it, but it said over 100 million Americans' personal information has now been captured by the bad guys. That would seem like an astounding number to me. Is that, does that seem like... Yeah, it's completely true. Now, mind you, it's, you know, so they've got your credit card, right? Yeah. So you've got that notice already and you've canceled your credit card and you've got a new one. Um, so sometimes it's it's not that debilitating, though it fuels the cybercrime industry, right? Because those guys are buying and selling those things and making money off of them. Um, and of course, the banks are, are are making everybody whole. So even if you're, you know, attacked and your money's taken out of your bank account, usually the bank gives it back to you. So you're in good shape there. I know. I know when my card got hacked and Huntington issued me a new one with the chip in it. So, right. Uh, <laughs> Supposedly yeah, that's, I think that's where I think 2015 was different from previous years. It wasn't just about financial data. You know, it really was. When you have that, I mean, there are stories of people from the Ashley Madison breach committing suicide after that. I mean, so the impacts are hitting whoa. people, you know, you know, children, you know, playing with toys, conversations, you know, hacking the Internet of Things. And we talk about the future. I know in the next segment, you know, <laughs> where this is going. But I think that the impact, of course, financial data, you know, loss is huge. I'm not, you know, downplaying that. But I think in 2015, you know, when you hack a car and you hack brakes or you hack, you know, these, you know, there's so many other areas that are now in, in our lives where the virtual world and the cyber world are coming together. I think the impacts are even getting greater than they were before. Yeah, that's that's the area that gets me interested. You know, there have been so many identity breaches that it becomes old news very, very quickly. But the newer level of attacks either against devices like that or actually breaking into somebody's email account and, and releasing very debilitating data as we saw originally in Sony, which of course was 2014. Um, but this year we saw uh, the, the White House get breached by Russian hackers and yep. supposedly President Obama's email was, was read and intercepted. Um, the State Department and the Pentagon all had their email servers interrupted. So now we're going deeper. They don't necessarily search and then resell the information about who you are. They want to know what you're thinking and what you're communicating. That's absolutely right. And, you know, I know um, I, I just would just add one other aspect of that is, you know, when you talk about medical records and, you know, there's a lot of talk about, you know, not just, again, financial data from hospitals and insurance companies, but 
people's you know history and I you know it just it makes you think if they're hacking into your medical records at what point in the future will it be they change things and actually can cause damage in by changing the data and not just stealing the data yeah that's something to worry about in uh, the federal reserve system uh, the banks you know basically that's just all held in a number account somewhere and they just could change those what about all these attacks on hotels why do you suppose that's happening so I see um, uh, you know, three or four hotels this past year, Hilton Honors Points, um, Hyatt Gold Passport breaches. Uh, do, you, do you think those are financial attacks? Well, I mean, I, I, I absolutely. I mean, I, I think it's a great point, Richard. And I think, I think the challenge there, too, is, you know, what's available and, and there's an opportunity aspect to it. Um, you know, what what is vulnerable, what's available, like you just talked about with the Juniper hack. Um, you know, now that it's available, you know, people are going to go after it. Um, is there a wider trend there, you know, about people's, you know, vacations or whatever? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, what, what do you think? Well, I wonder if uh, because a lot of times when there's uh, credit points available, um, yeah. you know, very clever people can figure out how to accumulate those points and then cash them in. Um, and I'm not sure I haven't seen any evidence of that happening, but that could explain why they're targeting that as well. So my Hilton Honors account has been compromised. Yeah. So take the points out, cash them in, you know, buy the airplane tickets or something. Okay. And of course, the Detroit Zoo's point of sale terminals were were attacked this year. So, if you want to look for a local, well, what what I always what I always want to know about these data breaches, though, is that my uh, somebody used my credit card number uh, this past year to buy a big screen TV in Houston, Texas, where I've never been. Um, oh, and, come on! And they were very they were very it was it was my it was uh, an American Express card. They were very nice about it. Um, you know, they took it off of my uh, took it off my bill. But what happens to the guy who buys the television? I mean, do they ever look for him? Do these people ever get busted? I mean, is there any consequence for Actually, these Actually, they're, they're mules. I first encountered that here in Michigan. Uh, we had a, a you know big card data breach thing go on, and the uh, local police saw this suspicious activity. People were pulling up with big vans to uh, you know one of the big retailers, and they would collect several widescreen TVs that were pre-ordered on the internet with credit cards, so mm-hmm. paid for it, waiting for them, pick them up, put them in. And at the time, I was this was a day when I said, oh, there's no real organized crime in the cyber world. And uh, a friend called up and says, uh, yeah, that's exactly what's going on. These are Russian crime syndicates, have personnel on the street here in Michigan uh, that go in and these mules uh, take the stolen goods resell them on eBay, take the cash, launder it essentially, wire transfer it back to St. Petersburg. Hmm. Okay. That Putin is everywhere, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, th- I think the other thing that happens too, Richard, is, is you know, I, I have read um, and talked to some people in, in different governments around the country, but, you know, the fraud aspect of, like, if they have your, your number um, not getting detected, so, you know, going for $9.73 from Walmart type of thing, so, you know, where it can be repetitive and they can maybe um, get, you know, fly under the radar, if you will. So I think that's another thing that's going out there that certainly happened in 2015. I know some states where there was, you know, UPS charges that were, that were sent to different government entities that they were paying and then they discovered it and then, you know, they obviously, you know, went back and, and tried to resolve the situation. But when they were paying these bills for $200, $300 monthly that were fake, they were fake bills. So, I mean, the, the, the wider fraud aspect of, you know, you know, breaching credit cards, breaching financial systems to maybe not go for the million dollars, go for, you know, 975, you know, 100 times. 
Well, yeah, I've I've wondered about that too because another time I had a credit card number get um, stolen. The the way I found out about it is a whole bunch of ninety nine cent iTunes music purchases, and I, what I've been told is that they were just testing it to see if anyone was paying attention, more or less, and then they would try something big if I wasn't paying attention. Well, well you are just right on the cutting edge. Oh, you're the canary yeah. in the coal mine. <laughs> That's it. Well, I, same thing with my smartphone. I uh, I used it one time to buy some stuff at Walmart, and within a day. I had three or four charges on there for gamers from someplace in the world. So one of my apps on my phone, you know, that clearly was harvesting my information. So I don't use my phone for yeah, anything me, financial. Yeah, anymore. let me ask you about that too. Is is the security of smartphones? I mean, it, is is everybody walking around with malware in their smartphones? Pretty much, seems like it. Just about every app, especially uh, uh, an Android app, is malware of some sort. Right? It's stealing your location data so they can resell it. Um, but I'm not worried about smartphones. Never have been, and I don't think I ever will be. Because because they're not Windows PCs, so okay. they're not. They you can't get into the OS of an operating system other than one recent breach, um, and <laughs> jump from one to the other. So you can't download a virus that gets on the phone and SMSs itself to another phone, and pretty soon the virus spreads everywhere. They are really containerized. It's very nice, and that's yeah, what. I would agree with that. Yeah, the apps, the apps are unique, and they're you know you're not going to jump across the app discussion. Okay, so and that's what happened in the early days of uh, uh, computer viruses back right back in the early uh, right. um, uh-ohs or zeros or whatever you want to call the first decade of this uh, this century, is uh, we we had people um, that would click on something and it would spread it to an entire network. Yep. So so we can't let the segment pass without talking about the cyber war going on between ISIS and uh, Anonymous. So yep. now we've got two uh, you know extremist hacker groups, uh, both using the same capabilities that the internet and social media gives them to recruit and find experts to do bad stuff, um, but they're fighting each other. Absolutely, and, and, and I was actually going to mention it, I'll come up with a little preview of the next set, uh, segment, but, you know, John McAfee's come out and, and predicting there will be, uh, you know, I know your book, Richard, there, is, there will be a cyber war, or he's saying there will be a cyber war with ISIS in, in 2016, and we may actually lose. It, it's you know, pretty bold predictions, and giving John McAfee some airtime here, but um, a lot of articles out there about that, and, and, and just the fact that uh, our enemies are, you know, fairly sophisticated. In, in some of the techniques they're using to both to recruit and possibly even attack Western, Western uh, nations. I think what we're going to do is just keep rolling rather than take a break. So whenever you guys, you can keep going on what happened this year or move into next year, however you want to play it. I'll turn it back over to you. Well, let's take it from there. Um, Dan, what do you think the, you know, the likelihood of that sort of uh, you know, cyber terrorists doing any damage to us in 2016 is? Well, you know, I think it's, you know, we've been talking for years. Um, I think we're doing the 20, prediction for this year, 2015. And, and, uh, there were a lot of people who predicted, I think, two years ago, we were going to have a cyber 9-11 or a cyber Pearl Harbor that there was, you know, the grid's going to go down. You're going to bring down the grid. Of course, that book just came out. Um, Light, um Lights Out by Ted Koppel. Exactly. You know, like it got getting a lot of airtime, getting a lot of thanks for you know uh, mentioning that. So yeah, and and you know, I think that it's certainly you know a possibility. I mean, I I don't know if I had to put a percentage on it. What I think, I'd love to hear your view. But I mean, I'd say you know one in ten. You know, could it happen? Absolutely. Um, I think the capability is there. Whether it will happen. 
this year, I mean, it's, it's like predicting, you know, a blizzard. You know, it's a little bit hard to know exactly. Maybe, maybe the day before you know it's going to hit, but, you know, months, and a, months ahead of time, what's, when, when something's going to hit. Um, it is interesting, I find, though, if you think about uh, Homeland Security, the last three Homeland Security secretaries have all said we're going to have a major, you know, critical infrastructure event in America. Uh, from Jenna Napolitano, um, it, it, it really going back a, a ways. They, they've been predicting this. So, you know, will it be 2016? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that there certainly could be a major event like that. What are your thoughts? Well, you know, I certainly uh, have learned my lesson in not to predict uh, future disasters um, uh, because, of course, you're happy when they don't happen. But everyone in the technology space uh, agrees that it would be fairly easy to do. And as a matter of fact, most people scratch their heads and wonder why it hasn't happened if, you know, if people out there hate the United States so much or any other Western country. But I have seen some disturbing signals. And one is the, you know, the uh, a number of uh, machines that are in control systems that are connected to the Internet are well mapped. So they're there. And, yep. and the, uh, their vulnerabilities are just rampant in the control systems that are used to turn on power and lights and control uh, turbines at a gas generation plant. And in the past uh, year, we've seen two separate families of malware that have spread amongst those systems that evidently are, are just there to map them out and do the reconnaissance. And reconnaissance is, of course, the first step before attacks. Um, and that malware is of a family that can be attributed to Russian hackers. So now we, it seems like uh, the, the uh, tell signals are, are uh, leading up to some sort of attack to demonstrate their capability or do something debilitating. Yeah, I think there were some studies in 2015. Trend Micro did one. I know there was one that came. A number of different major, um, uh, you know, think tank organizations that, that, that the attacks against critical infrastructure, like you said, looking at, you know, uh, people testing things out, trying to get in, destroy data, and that kind of thing. It, the number of attacks have increased, um, and they continue to increase. So I, I do think it certainly will happen at some point, whether it happens in 2016 or not. You know, not sure. I mean, some of the other predictions I've seen out there that I certainly, you know, believe in uh, kind of turning the corner there would be Internet of Things. As, as that grows, I mean, we're seeing, obviously, all the talk about robots and cars that drive themselves, um, new artificial intelligence, and then yet a lot of these new IoT devices, even Christmas presents that are coming out, are really not secure. They're being rolled out um, in, in a way that is not... Um, it's not just not secure. They can be hacked. Different devices, smart homes, smart kitchens, um, even you know, people talk about smart, you know, roads and and you know, of course we've seen things like you know, um, road signs being hacked and that kind of thing. But it makes you wonder, you know, the IoT as more and more devices are connected to the internet, what IoT hacks are going to make the headlines a year from now? I mean, could there could there be ransomware tied to that? Could there be Internet of Things, you know, what other devices or, you know, I mean, who knows, they, you know, something radical like, you know, take over, uh, um, you know, 
amusement park or something. I don't know. I mean, some, something that gets the headlines. Um, what are your thoughts around that? Yeah, I, I, I did want to. I, I wanted to point out. I've, I've been saying for years now that the Internet of Things it should be called the Internet of Things that can be hacked. And, and I've been sort of suspicious about this for a long time. You know, somebody turning off your refrigerator when you're when you're on vacation, so you come home to a house full of rotted food, or worse yet, turning on your your oven or your broiler and your all your burners on your stove full blast and maybe setting your house on fire, you know, something like that. I mean, the first disgruntled spouse to do that, it's, it's just what I'm waiting for. Oh, you know, yeah, I, I, I hadn't waiting thought for of that like angle. That. Yeah, that's a good one, yeah. Well, I'm thinking, wasn't the target attack, didn't they come in through a vendor Coke machine or something or other? No, no, so the target was just the, they had given access to a, a vendor of their um, ventilation system. Yeah, yeah, I, thought, yeah I thought it was an okay. HVAC contract. I wasn't yeah. sure. I knew something yeah. kind of that you don't think about. But everything is on the same network, right. so that's, yeah. that was the issue, exactly. I've got a uh, prediction for uh, more of the enterprise security that uh, we deal with every day, Dan, um, in that I've, you know, I've watched as the industry itself is responding to all these sophisticated attacks, so-called APTs, and what they're attempting to do is shorten the time that they have to react. So you know, today, uh, I think the Verizon data breach says the average uh, dwell time for an attacker is something over 200 days. Hmm. Um, so if you do a little bit of security, you can get that down to a couple days, right? So you just look at your logs and try and figure out what's going on. And then there's a whole slew of new vendors coming out that are trying to get it down to hours or minutes, which is all well and good. We have not seen what is what I believe the the future of these types of attacks, though I think we will see it in 2016, and that's an autonomous attack. So an autonomous attack is all pre-programmed. The attacker hits go or somehow you know gets the malware onto a network through a USB token or something, and the, the malware moves laterally, finds what it wants, steals it or breaks it, and then leaves. And you might have seconds to respond to that. Now, wow. I did say we hadn't seen it, but we have. It's called Stuxnet. Um, so that Stuxnet is now going on uh, eight years old. Is it that long now? So the attackers know what they have to do, right? It's all been spelled out for them. But they just haven't had to because there's so many targets that aren't very well protected. Yeah, well, that's, that's certainly very likely. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I just got another, you know, I've read a number of different predictions. I wanted to throw in another prediction. I, I see, you know, when... Will we see murder? You know, kind of what you just implied about you know burn down the kitchen. But when will you see murder committed via the internet? I mean, um, you know, uh, medical devices, oh, yeah. changing data, some big headline. I mean, whether it happens in sixteen or seventeen, I don't know. But I, you know, I could I easily predict that there's going to be some some uh, data change somehow. Somebody's going to do something that's going to be viewed as you know. Murder by you know hack kind of thing. So yeah, so um, turn turn the Wi-Fi off on the insulin pump or the pacemaker, right? You just don't I actually want saw, it, that so. was part of a movie plot. That the vice president in the movie he was wearing a pacemaker, and they got the code for the pacemaker and turned the pacemaker off, and his heart stopped. Yep. So I can't remember the name of the movie, but I remember that was the plot. Or, or so. another movie, Hackers or something, they uh, modified a health report for a powerful yep. senator or something. And, uh, he yeah, it's been, it's been in the movies, but I mean, we haven't seen, you know, front page Washington Post, you know, right. somebody important, some CEO from some corporation or something. I mean, I, I, I just see that happening in the next few years. Well, it, what, what I wanted to ask both uh, – 
uh, Dan and Richard, is is if something like ha- that happens, will we even know? Will we even be told about it? Somebody uh, will figure it out. What, what, what do we do to, to improve the transparency of, of reporting of data breaches and sort of the intelligence gathering and how the, how that all works and, and, you know, so how we can sort of share data better without maybe necessarily airing everybody's dirty laundry? But the information's got to be shared for us to put our brains together and develop ways to fight this stuff, right? Yeah, we the first suspicion on the minds of any security person is hacker. So if something happens like that, mysterious car crash, uh, you remember when uh, Michael Hastings, a uh, reporter uh, for BuzzFeed or something, I think, um, had a, just a very strange incident where his car accelerated very fast and, he, and it supposedly blew up before it hit a tree. The um, first suspicion on everybody's part was, oh, it was hacked by his adversaries. It turned out not to be the case. Hmm. Well, that's the tricky part about covering security, cybersecurity, is uh, when something happens, the people that get hacked or whatever, they don't want to talk about it. And when the vendors have the technology to block it, they don't want to talk about it. So, I mean, it's like it's, it, you, just never, it, you just don't know what's going on. Yeah, there's not enough good investigative reporting in the technology area altogether, right? So at least in my experience, it's been taken over by the trade press, and they don't want to criticize the vendors because they're the advertisers. Right. And they don't you know, want to dig – it takes too much time when you can just create a listicle of something exciting to get people to get you those clicks. Yes. So, Richard, what do you think the impact, assuming that President Obama signs the cyber legislation that's about, you know, probably going to hit his desk here before the end of the year, how do you see that, you know, going back to Matt's question about how do you see that impacting the, the sharing of data and the, the landscape in 2016, you know, as a direct result of that legislation change? Well, certainly the NSA and FBI will have to hire fewer attorneys, um, <laughs> and I don't think it'll have, I don't think it'll have any impact whatsoever on okay. slowing down attacks. Uh, I think it's just more of a greasing the skids for the kind of network that uh, DHS in particular wants to build. I, w- I would agree. I, I think the overall impact is going to be relatively small. You know, maybe it's a moving around the chairs in the room of who's in charge of what, and and maybe maybe it's better, maybe it's not. But I mean, I I, I think the overall impact on the direction we're heading as an industry, you know, I'm not sure that it's going to make a huge difference. That said, DHS is uh, you know finally gearing up here to actually do some good information sharing. Uh, Andy Osmond uh, now has his uh, team that's uh, sucking data out of most uh, agencies. Um, and then uh, making it palatable or consumable by anyone who wants it, for that matter, mm. um, which might impact the threat intelligence uh, private vendors a little bit. Uh, and Andy says, "Well, oh well, you know, go on and and uh, do something uh, that enriches that data somehow." But uh, we're going to see some you know good results. I think. I think the government, federal government overall, is actually going to figure out how to protect itself. We got about a minute left, guys. So, uh, any other things you want to hit about uh, what we should, what, what should, what should folks do to protect themselves? I mean, just the average consumer, let alone the businesses. I mean, I think the number one thing is just do your homework. I mean, know what you're getting into, you know, the consumer reports for cyber. But, I mean, when you buy something, especially an IoT device, a wa- whatever you're getting, make sure you know what you're buying and, and enable and configure the maximum security that you're able to configure on the device. So many people will talk about, you know, security problems, and a lot of it is, you know, even in enterprises as well, this uh, lack of, of, of poor um, policy or, or, or implementation of, of, the, of the 
uh, features that are available. So making sure you know what you've got and what you're doing and what consumers the same way. Use what you're already able to use. That'd be my first thing. Take us out, Richard. My advice is trust no one. <laughs> Especially if they're over 30, right? Yeah, you know, on, that, so. <laughs> on that cherry note, <laughs> it's time for uh, our quick little break here. So this is Matt Rausch. And Mike Brennan. And you're listening to the M Squared TechCast. Thanks for listening to M Squared TechCast, a live internet radio show offering the latest news and interviews with the people driving business, technology, and politics in Michigan. Join your hosts, Matt Rausch and Mike Brennan, next Monday at 3 p.m. If you can't listen live, audio podcasts of the show can be found at podcastdetroit.com.